You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is time. It is time. They can't be Packers. No. Are you crazy? Listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Leahy, joined in the studio today by the one and only Sam Holman. You all know him from uh, the Wisconsin Sports Rooks podcast. I know him as uh, the single smartest defensive mind who is not <laughs> currently employed by an NFL team. But Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk a little Packers with me today. Yeah, no problem. I always, I always enjoy talking some football. We're going to talk, um, uh, got a couple topics, but first topic comes from a listener question. This is um, Mr. Redbeard2 on Twitter, and I owe Mr. Redbeard a, a, an apology because the last question he sent in on this show, I called him Pedro, and that's because there's two guys who um, I interact with on Twitter, who are both gingers and both have short red beards and their profile picture. They are kind of posed in the same um, in the same angle, similar background. So it's uh, Mr. Redbeard and Pedro. So um, they were both listening to that episode and Pedro is like, man, is this me? I didn't think I wrote it in the show. And Mr. Redbeard's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I've never gone by Pedro before, but I guess if this is my new nickname, then so be it. So Mr. Redbeard is getting the uh, the proper credit for this question this time. We're talking about Chris Barnes. This is an interesting comparison that I have not really made, at least not in um, the last uh, year, year and a half. Um, Mr. Redbeard is comparing Chris Barnes and Blake Martinez. And he tagged me. He tagged Clayton. He tagged Ryan. And I said, you know what? I do want to tackle this question, but I want to tag in Sam Holman. I want to use my lifeline, phone a friend, bring in an expert because Sam, you have forgotten more about linebackers than I will ever know. So, we're going to kick things off. This is uh, five questions about Chris Barnes and uh, comparing him to Blake Martinez. First one regarding Chris Barnes, how did his play differ pre Joe Barry to the hiring of Barry? Um, one thing here is that of our current stable of linebackers, if you're not counting Ty Summers, and I think it's excusable to not count Ty Summers, uh, Barnes is the only guy we have pre and post Joe Barry. So um, how did his play different? Was he used any differently? 
Yeah, so um, this is kind of an interesting project type thing for me to just look at, look at you know what film I could get because this, um, really this was the first year I started studying film in depth, and so I didn't have a chance to do that with you know Chris Barnes last year or with Blake mm-hmm. Martinez. Sure. Um, so I had to go back, find what I could on YouTube, just look at it. So, you know, I may not stand by this as steadily as I would if I had a lot more resources and film to look at. Um, but, uh, with, with how he changed from, uh, last year to this year, I guess it'd be, uh, 2020 to 2021. Cause technically last year it was 2021. I, I hate um, this time of year because it's, <laughs> if you say last year, or if you say this year, People take it in different ways and everybody yeah. will jump in and correct you. They'll be like, oh, you, you mean you mean this year? I'm like, well, I'm talking about the season that hasn't even started yet. So when I say next year that you should just kind of know that's what I'm talking about. But people yeah, <laughs> yeah. So talking 2020 to 2021, um, I didn't notice a lot like of development in the stuff I watched. I mean, not anything drastic. He was maybe a little bit, you know, cleaner deciphering what the offense was doing. He had a little bit cleaner vision, a little bit more ready and eager to, you know, make contact with blockers and with you know ball carriers, just lay the boom a little bit more. Um, with regards to his usage, Mike Pettin used more man coverage than Joe Barry mm-hmm. does. And so mm-hmm. Chris Barnes was tasked with, you know, lining up with running backs, tight ends. Um, So he did that a little bit more in in Joe Barry's defense. And then Joe Barry's defense also used a lot more one-high coverages uh, along with, you know, man coverage. So that changed – that didn't change drastically uh, between those two years, but um, it just changed a little bit of where he was on the field, what he was doing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like what he was doing under Pettin was a little bit better fit for his skill set than uh than this past year seemed like um although maybe his play didn't drop off a ton his effectiveness maybe dropped off is am i off base in in reading that no not not necessarily i mean i think that um joe barry found some good ways to use him but those ways were also ways in which that, that mike Patton really liked as well um i think that chris barnes he's really athletic and he's a good downhill triggering linebacker. So he's good in blitzing. He can, you know, if he's given like a running back to flare out into the flat with, he can do that. And so since that was a little bit more of what Mike Penn did, yeah, I, I can, I can see that, right. You know, he, if he was used more heavily in blitzes, that might make him a little bit more productive in terms of counting stats. I, I can definitely agree with that. Okay. So uh, continuing on with our next question from Mr. Redbeard. Uh, and I'll expand on this a little bit. Comparing Blake Martinez and Chris Barnes, what's the what are the differences in those two guys' um, style of play, and and who is better at what aspect of being a linebacker? Yeah, this was another interesting question because I think he mentioned in the question that they were both about the same size, right? Uh, yes, uh, similar size. Um, uh, you know, Martinez was drafted in the fourth round. Barnes, of course, went undrafted. And you don't hear a lot of comparisons in their style of play ever. Yeah. And I think that's that's for good reason. Just watching their film they are They're very different stylistically. I think Martinez was a lot lower caliber of an athlete. It, it's kind of kind of drastic seeing them, you know, well, we didn't see them side by side, but seeing them in comparison 
Chris Barnes is a lot, you know, a lot more explosive, a lot more. He just moves in space a lot smoother than Martinez does. With Martinez, really it was, yeah, he was. You could tell he was just kind of, you know, giving it his all, just trying to run to the sideline, right? Um, I think that Martinez was he, he was better at processing what the offense was doing and identifying where he needed to be. But because of that, you know, that lack of athleticism, it could often lead to him being behind the play, like getting sealed off by blockers, just not being able to arrive there in time to make make the make the top tackle like at a you know a neutral point. That's where that's why I think a lot of people started to say, you know. Oh, he just he count he gets tackles like five yards beyond the line of scrimmage, and that's kind of true because he was, you know, he's waiting, he was seeing what the offense was doing. Uh, another thing I noticed with his game is kind of passive at that point, right? He wasn't, mm-hmm. he was just kind of standing there, figuring out what the offense was doing, and then he was going, and he sure with with that athleticism, the offense had a chance to kind of get ahead of schedule, get get some extra yardage. Okay, you know, and and the the com- the lack of comparisons between Martinez and Barnes is interesting because although we had Chris or uh, Christian Kirksey here in 2020, Chris Barnes, I, I think you would argue, or at least I would try and argue was maybe a, a bigger role in the defense and, and really felt a little bit more like the heir apparent to um, Blake Martinez as our linebacker one, you know, and, there were other guys on the roster also who Barnes uh, surpassed uh, Kamal Martin, Oren Burks. I think Kamal Martin mm-hmm. really surprised a lot of people um, in, in that, uh, you know, undrafted Chris Barnes really uh, took ownership of the whole defense as a super young player. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely true. Um, kind of like what, what I mentioned, I think he was a, pretty decent fit in Petten's system. Um, mm. He was, he did inherit that role that Martinez had where he was like, a, he was a little bit of a cleanup player. Like I think Martinez actually mentioned this in an interview after he went to the giants where he was, his job was to basically let the front do their stuff and then just try to yeah. clean up what happened afterwards. And that I think with Chris Barnes athleticism, you know, he doesn't have to process super fast. And so he can just kind of see the ball, go get the ball and use that athleticism to his benefit. A lot of last year, this is a question for me, not for Mr. Redbeard. A lot of last year, Devondre Campbell um, really was kind of our our featured Mike linebacker, which linebacker position was Chris Barnes playing most of the time. Would you say? Um, from what I, I mean, I don't have numbers in front of me, but from what I remember, um, Barnes and Campbell kind of switched at times. Uh, one would play the mic and one would play the will. Um, I think that that's just, you know, Joe Barry was kind of alternating who he wanted to get out in space. You know, if, if they're playing a coverage where the will had to move across more space, then he might put Campbell there and keep Barnes in at Mike. Um, but that, that was kind of the impression I got just watching, not specifically that, but the defense as a whole. Now, does Green Bay... Um, either with Petten or with uh, Barry, do they make use of a Sam linebacker? Is that not really a thing in our, uh, you know, three, four defensive look? So the Sam is the slot. Um, That's, that's kind of the strong side force player that you're going to get in the defense uh, usually. So um, that's usually in, if we're talking quarters, which was the Packers most common defense, that that slot player he's playing the flat and so he's the force player 
on the passing strength side of the offense. So, you know, if there was a three receiver side, he would line up over there. He would be the force player over there. And then whoever the will was would be the force player on the back end or on the, the back side of the run, assuming it was going to the passing strength. Um, so, so, so who typically was that for us? Last that was uh, Sullivan, Shannon Sullivan. Shannon Sullivan. Okay. So, yeah. so this year might be uh, Quay, Keyshawn Nixon, Quay Walker. What, what, what are you thinking now that Shannon's not here? I think, I, I think it'll probably alternate. Uh, it'll probably be Jair in a lot of situations, but I think they could rotate um, Rasul in there. Maybe Stokes a little bit, though I think um, if they want to get size in the slot, then Rasul is probably their best bet. Yeah, Stokes is definitely on the smaller side. Yeah. Um okay. Uh so Martinez versus Chris Barnes. Who's the better linebacker? Yeah, that's a hard question because it it depends a lot on what your definition of a good linebacker is and what your system requires. So I think that Barnes like I mentioned, he's a be- he's a much better athlete. Um, he, he's a little more physical when he's meeting blocks, when he's meeting ball carriers, um, he can lay bigger hits. Uh, Martinez, I think was a better processor, but he, he lacked the athleticism that Barnes did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one thing I forgot to mention with Barnes are a couple things. Uh, I think that another difference between them is Barnes is not great at reading quarterbacks eyes and zone coverage. I think that's okay. a lot of, a lot of the reason why Barry wanted to get him, get him off the field on passing downs, third downs, that kind of thing. Martinez. I, I, I wasn't really able to find any all 22 of him. Um, I was just able to find the, the, the TV broadcast copy. So it was sure. hard for me to judge how he did in coverage. Um, but I think that his athleticism also hurt him in coverage as well. Mm. And if he was, you know, able to read and react a little bit better than Barnes was. So neither of them were plus players in coverage, in my opinion. Uh, Sam, you know, your, your opinion is all well and good, but I will tell you that I witnessed in person an interception by Blake Martinez against (laughs) the Detroit lions. I remember that. I remember that. And because I witnessed it in person, uh, and it was so exciting and I was jumping to my feet and screaming. I, I will just let you know that um, Blake Martinez was elite in coverage uh, because of that interception. So um, I, you know, I respect your credentials or whatever, but I, I saw that play. I know what I saw. Yeah. Well, to be, to be fair, I, I did see Dean Lowry catch an interception. So I don't know if we're, we want to go down that logical path as to. All right. Well, Dean know, Lowry that, is also elite. In coverage, yeah. So an elite, an elite inside linebacker. Yep. <laughs> so so given that we're we're kind of unable to um come up with an answer about who's just really um black and white who's the better linebacker between those two is chris barnes clearly the better value given that he's undrafted blake martinez was a uh, fourth round pick and then went on to get paid heavily by the vike or uh, the giants is chris barnes clearly this is uh Mr. Redbeard's next question, who's the better value? Is it Chris Barnes? I think so. I think that Chris Barnes provides a little bit more of the splash plays. Um, he can use that athleticism to you know, big, make big hits, get sacks. Um, he tends to overrun plays a little bit more. Uh, Martinez is probably more dependable on a play-to-play basis, but his athleticism also limits his like splash playability. So again, it's a matter of preference, but I would I would take Chris Barnes as an undrafted free agent. Okay, and question number five from Mr. Redbeard: 
does Barnes have the ability to improve? Now, the nice thing here is we know that he has this plus athleticism. Mm -hmm. So that's great because that's the part of your game that you don't have a ton of control over. Yeah. Um, question is, is, is he a high floor, low ceiling type of a player? Or is he mid floor, mid ceiling? Um, Mr. Redbeard highlights that, you know, yes, we, we've seen that at this point, he's a little bit more buried on the uh, depth chart as our uh, linebacker number three. And, and I have a, a question about that in terms of, you know, how do you think he's going to be used this year? Is he really just going to, you know, be depth and like uh, spell guys, or do you think we're going to have these three linebacker looks at times? Um, but uh, so two part question, you know, where, where, where's his ceiling going forward and, and how do you think that that really impacts um, this year, you know, with his usage? Yeah, I mean, ceiling, I, I'm not sure how high that is because, I, well, I, like I said, his athleticism, I think, is a plus, but it's not like Quay Walker level. He's not an, an athletic freak, and so I don't know mm -hmm. if that athleticism is enough to raise that ceiling really high. And then it's also a question, a lot of the stuff where I think he struggles is on the middle side, right? Reading the quarterback's sure. eyes and zone coverage, kind of reacting a little bit more in that. Um, pursuing runs kind of as a disciplined run defender, I think he can struggle with. Um, so if he can improve that mental stuff, I mean, I think he can, he could contribute as of right now, kind of to your, as to your second question, what he could be used as this year. I think that we could see him on the field in some three linebacker packages. Um, I very liked like to play with his linebackers. He had a bunch of linebackers on the field at different times mm -hmm. last season. Uh, even in the playoff game, he actually um, he used a special three linebacker look. He kind of it was essentially a four three look where he had uh, he had Campbell, he had Barnes, and then he had Oren Burks on the field as kind of sure. um, just to kind of get more uh, get get more available support on the edges to kind of deal with the 49ers outside zone attack. Mm -hmm. um, so in specialized situations like that, I think there's a, definitely a possibility we could see him. I think that it's pretty clearly going to be Campbell and Walker as the starters. Okay. Uh, Barnes will probably be a special teamer, spot starter in case of injury, but I think that'll probably be his main role and then maybe some specialized packages. What I'd love to see, just kind of on a tangent here, I'd love to see him used more as like a specialized blitzing player. Like I said, I really like his ability. You know, he, he he's really good at just engaging with running backs, just blowing them up and kind of getting into the backfield as a blitzer. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd mm -hmm. love to see him use more as that, but I don't know if there's a place for that in the type of defensive philosophy that Joe Barry uses. All right. Well, we answered uh, Mr. Redbeard's questions about uh, Chris Barnes and Blake Martinez. Thank you so much for that, Sam. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to pivot. Now, you know, the topic that's about to come up. So, so don't jump ahead of me and hit on that. I have a, a linebacker safety question first that I want to get to, but, but you know where sure. we're going. So don't jump ahead. That's for after the ad break. We gotta, <laughs> we're, we're teasing people with a, a great, a great topic that's coming up, but there have been questions and concerns about the lack of depth at safety for the Packers this year. And obviously you know, with safety, uh, th these guys are out there for every single snap of the game. If you're looking at it, highest snap counts across the entire roster, it's, you know, your offensive line, specifically your starter and the, or, I mean, your center, and then it's your safeties, you know, who gets the highest snap counts uh, over the course of the whole season and over a game. But, you know, uh, 
we don't want to, um, you know, knock on wood. We don't want to speak injuries into existence. But let's just say aliens abduct Adrian Amos or, or somebody. <laughs> okay? we're, we're down one safety. In your mind, is it more likely that we start seeing an extra linebacker on the field or that we see a depth safety, you know, depth on the roster safety like Sean Davis gets some playing time? Do you, do you think linebacker really maybe is the answer to not only uh, if there's a question of um, not having enough starting starter caliber safeties available due to aliens, you know, code word, <laughs> or with it, you know, the question of who's your third safety, if you need a third safety, is it more likely we're going to see a, a linebacker filling that role this year or that a lower on the roster safety is getting some actual playing time? So are you referring to like a a nickel look where they've got um they've got the the four they're still going to have four defensive backs on the field two safeties two corners and then right. you're asking do you think you'll see a th- a third safety instead of a second linebacker in that look well well a lot of the time last year weren't we seeing a third safety in those looks because of the um, lack of uh, you know really quality linebacker play that Joe Barry was looking for was isn't it true that they were using a third safety in those instances yeah yeah they were rolling out a lot of some dime packages where they had Henry Black instead of the second linebacker okay okay so um so sorry so the question is if uh Adrian Amos is injured and they don't have a quality third safety is that what you're saying yeah I mean you know I, I again you know, aliens. Come on, Sam. It's aliens. It's not injuries. We, we <laughs> right, have right. Injuries. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that depends on what their opinion of Sean Black is. Uh, it seems like he's the front runner to be that third safety. Um. I think, like I said, unless Chris Barnes is gets a lot better in coverage over the off season, or you know, depending on when these aliens abduct Adrian Amos, you know, over over the course of the season. I, unless he gets better in coverage um, or Joe Barry feels more comfortable with him in coverage, I think it'll probably be a third safety just because you, you know, a, a safety is generally able to move better in space is mm-hmm. faster, can handle different receiving threats better than a linebacker can. Okay. Darn. I thought I had a really clever question. There. Oh well. <laughs> All right. So we are going to take our ad break here, but when we come back, I'm going to ask Sam Holman to talk about Darnell Savage and the perceived struggles that he had last year, because there may not be a more maligned player on this roster today, uh, other than Jordan Love, than Darnell Savage right now. The the dude has become a bit of a um, pariah, an offseason pariah for a lot of the fan base. So we're going to have a conversation about Darnell Savage with Sam think you might be surprised by what you hear unless of course you're already following sam on twitter and have heard some of his opinions on this topic before ad break right now we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Sam, talk to me about Darnell Savage. How much did he actually struggle last year? And how much of the criticism that he has been receiving is deserved? Yeah, so I don't want to give the impression that he didn't struggle. There was definitely a stretch. Um, I think it probably started with the Vikings game where he dropped all those interceptions. I don't know if I would qualify that as a struggle because he was in the right position to make all those plays. Sure. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, he's not, wasn't as good as he could have been, but he was still in good position in a lot of those situations, but starting from there, you know, he started to, it seemed like almost struggle with confidence, struggle on mm-hmm. the mental side. Um, he took some bad angles. I, I remember in the uh, bears game, that that kind of that second half of the season on uh, I believe it was like a jet sweep uh, the Bears took for a touchdown long touchdown he kind of took a bad angle and wasn't able to stop the play um, mm-hmm. obviously against the Ravens he struggled a bunch against Mark Andrews um, that's that, the one everybody remembers yeah yeah and it seemed like just watching that back that seemed to be a mental thing right he uh, on one of the plays where Andrews was, was going on a deep over you know Savage kind of took a misstep he he seemed a little uncertain before he took off or after Andrews and that kind of put him out of position, just stuff like that. Um, And then he, it seemed like he started to recover towards the end of the year, but those were kind of the things I saw. And so, you know, I I was watching earlier this off season, everyone kind of criticized him. And I was like, I want to go back and check and see if this is actually correct. And so I went back, I looked, and I think that that criticism is a little bit overblown. Um, okay. I think that those the struggles are definitely there. Uh, they're very visible the way that they happen, right? Big plays, missed tackles. Those are those are some of the stuff that you know we see on the broadcast and we say, "Oh, that was a bad play by Savage, so he must be playing bad." Um, but in a lot of the other facets of the game, he was actually doing really well. Like besides Mark Andrews, he was really good against tight ends, from what I saw. Okay. Right? He was okay. you know taking good angles. He was able to use his speed to really smother them. Um, one of the biggest things with him that I noticed was he was like really, really good as a deep safety, which was kind of a, a little bit surprising to me because a, a lot of the popular perception of Savage is, you know, he's a, he's a box player, you know, he's best when he's in the box, able to use yeah. his speed to make plays. And I think that he can do that. He's really good at that. And that's definitely something that I'd like to see him do more, but he's also really, really, he was really, really good as a deep safety, both in two high and one high. Um, and a lot of that stuff we don't usually see on the broadcast because they're they're out of the out of the screen. Um, so th- that was kind of the big thing. Just there were there were some aspects of his play that I really liked that I thought he did well that weren't necessarily visible that people weren't really talking about. And so that was kind of what I wanted to highlight. Like you mentioned, I, I 
put a put a film thread on Twitter about that. Just watching mm-hmm. him, you know, especially like in one high coverage where you're the post player, you're kind of covering everything top down. He was taking really good angles. He was staying on top of everything. He just mentally, he seemed to be processing things really well, recognizing how routes were developing. Um, and then kind of kind of the same deal in too high. He was able to u- use his speed to cover up a lot of routes. Uh, allow the corners to play aggressively. In fact, that's what, um, if you think back to the Rams game, Rasul Douglas's pick six, that was a play. Um, the Packers, backtracking a little bit to some scheme stuff, the Packers, mm-hmm. um, towards the, uh, towards that second half of the season, they used a lot of what's called uh, cover six, which is uh, quarter-quarter yeah. half coverage, right? One half of the field is quarters coverage. The other half is basically cover two. Um, and so they hey, would put... I- I play Madden. I know that cover <laughs> six is what I call when the other guy's running the ball. Nice, nice. Um, but uh, what what Savage what they would do with Savage was they would put the cover two side over the passing strength, and so and, and what that would allow the secondary to do is Savage would kind of cover up a lot of the deep routes, and the corners could play really aggressively, and that's actually what Rasul was doing when he had that pick six, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Savage was over, over top. He knew that he, if it was a double move or something, Savage would be able to cover up. And so he could take a chance and pick that ball off and take it to the end zone. And so I think that, um, yeah, I, I just, to sum that all up, <laughs> I kind of went up, uh, on a long spiel, spiel there. Um, to sum that all up, I think that Savage was really good as a deep safety pretty much okay. all last year. I didn't notice a lot of drop off in that area of his game, even though he struggled a little bit at times with other aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he still added a lot of value to the Packers defense and it gave me a lot more confidence going into year two that, you know, some of those, uh, seem to be mental struggles can be cleaned up, can allow him sure. to flourish even more in Barry's system. Now, Adrian Amos seemed to really struggle a lot this past season as well, at least by his own standard. He was still a good safety, but when you compare it against the body of work of his career, seemed like he was, especially off to a slow start maybe finished on a higher note is Joe Barry's uh, offense. One that really maybe takes a while for these uh, safeties to adjust to and, and really kind of get the hang of, do you think? Well, I, I want to preface this. I actually didn't notice any struggles from Amos. Um, <laughs> I, I thought he played really well, mo- pretty okay. much all of the year. Um, so don't, I don't mean to contradict you or anything, but that's just my, right. my take on it. Um, but to answer your question, yes, uh, the Barry system, which he takes from Vic Fangio and, and kind of that tree, it is pretty complicated for safeties. They have to in, so in quarters coverage, which is kind of the base coverage of the Fangio system, mm-hmm. the safeties are, um, it, the, it's not a, a too high defense in the sense that we normally think of it, right? A too high dif- defense. I think most people think of, you know, the safeties are playing deep. They're not really going forward. It's kind of a little more of a passive thing, right? They're covering up the deepest and getting as wide as the widest, right? They're just, you know, focusing on stopping the big play. In quarters, that's not quite the case because the safeties have the freedom to nail down on intermediate okay. routes. Sure. Um, that's kind of why it became popular uh, with the Sean McVay offenses. A lot of what they use is over routes uh, on their kind of uh, boot plays, their uh, uh, play action rollouts. They'll hit over routes. And so that the quarter safeties that frees them up to n- nail down on that and cover that where, you know, a lot of some of the coverages that defenses were running before didn't have that same capability to create layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
quarters, yeah, it, it asks a lot. No, that's my point. Where safeties have to, you know, identify routes. They also tend to get in, more involved in the run game, um, just because of the way the defense is structured. They so they have to, you know, key on the offensive line. They have to be watching that. They have to be watching routes. There's a lot of mental stuff that has to go on, and so it can take a while for safeties to adjust. Amos has actually played in that that type of system before, right? He was at the Bears in 2018. Eight, that, yep. yeah, that era. Uh, where Fangio was their defensive coordinator. So he has experience with that, which I think is why he was able to play well, in sure. you know, my opinion. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it, to answer your question, yes, it is a more complicated system for safeties. So here's a question that I did not uh, give you ahead of time, so feel free to, to say, hey, I need a rain check on this one. Um, looking at our our, our pass rushers, um, because I'm, I'm just thinking about the whole defense this year and, and uh, you know, we have a lack of depth at safety, although you like your starters. We have a, a lack of depth at edge rusher, although I think Rashawn and Preston are as good of a uh, pass rushing duo as you'll find. So this is a, a two part question. The first part of the question, I'll, I'll have you tackle first and then I'm going to come around to the second one. First part of the question Last year, it seemed like after the Seahawks game where we held them scoreless um, and in that game, Whitney Merciless got hurt and we didn't really have a third pass rusher left on the roster at that point. You're, you're getting a lot of snaps from um, Jonathan Garvin and, and Tipa um, and Ladarius Hamilton at that point. The, the, uh, the defense really struggled for pretty much the remainder of the regular season after that point. And obviously in the playoff game against the Niners, you get Whitney Merciless back, you get Zedarius back, you get a bunch of guys back. And we see, you know, one of the greatest defensive performances of the entire season. My perception is that the lack of uh, defensive success for the back half of that regular season seemed to really stem from that you couldn't always have two really good pass rushers out there at the same time, you know, and, and even with, you know, with trying to spell Rashawn and Preston, they're still getting tired and you need a third yeah. pass rusher on the field. Do you, how, how close do you think I am in, in blaming the uh, defensive woes on the lack of depth at pass rusher for the second half of the season? No, I, I think you're spot on with that. Um, I think that was definitely part of the issue, uh, a big part of the issue, just because the, the way Joe Barry kind of rotated in uh, at rushers, you kind of touched on it, where um, he would rest Rashawn and Preston for uh, around a series. You know, if there was a third down along, he would usually put them in, but sure. um, he would kind of take them off the field for multiple plays at a time. And the backup edge rushers after merciless went down, they really weren't enough in those situations because they, they weren't consistent rushing the passer. I mean, Jonathan Garvin was probably their best, you know, backup yeah. edge rusher, and he was not anywhere near consistent enough to be effective. Sure. Um, and then also in the run game, they they really struggled in the run game. Uh, the Browns game is one that really comes to mind uh, oh, because, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were attacking the edges a lot, especially when the backup outside linebackers were on the field. Uh, they were attacking the edges with mm-hmm. that that run game. They had the kind of pin pull runs going, and it was just it was kind of brutal to watch uh, rewatching that. Um, but that 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 was definitely an issue, I think, both in the passing game and uh, in in the running game. Just those backup edge players weren't good enough. All right, so here's part two of the question, and obviously this is going to have to be a 2022 question. Um, 
where where do you think our concern level should be uh, right now about the depth at pass rusher? And there's a um, an idea put forth that Joe Barry is going to be able to generate pressure from other places on the D line. You got Kenny Clark, you got TJ Slayton, you got Dean Lowry and Devontae Wyatt, and maybe you can move these guys around a bit, try and get some pressure from the interior, maybe kick Kenny Clark on the outside at times. You also have obviously the new addition of fifth rounder uh, Kingsley and Agbar. We'll have to see how good he can be, but you also have Quay Walker and maybe, you know, the idea is that the Packers can use Quay Walker situationally in a similar way that the Cowboys successfully used Micah Parsons last year. So in 2022, do you think that there is um, really a reason to be concerned about the lack of depth that still exists at the edge rusher position? Should they really be thinking about bringing in um, a free agent to help bolster that depth? Or do you think that they have enough options and enough personnel packages now available that maybe that's actually not as big of a priority as it has been in past years? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because you don't know how Jonathan Garvin is going to develop over the offseason, what Kingsley and Agbar can really give you. I really liked uh, Agbar's film, and I'm hopeful that he Mm -hmm. can kind of alleviate some of that. Um, I think that if they wanted to, they could patch something together just because with the defensive line upgrades, I think that those can help alleviate a little bit of the edge concerns just with how much those defensive linemen will hopefully be able to penetrate and disrupt and kind of move around the the defensive line and just, just stop those offensive plays. I think that could help. Um, and then you can move Quay Walker to the edge a little bit. Hopefully an Agbar gives you something. Garvin hopefully improves. But I honestly would like to see them add another edge rusher, a veteran. Um, I know Justin Houston is a name that's come up. I'd love to see them mm-hmm. add someone like that. Uh, but fine. yeah, I think that they they may try to go into the season with just what they have now. Um, I, I think you can talk yourself into that a little bit, but I, I'd like to see them add another edge rusher. All right, Sam Holman, super appreciate you for coming on the show today. Where can people find you um, on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle? Yeah, uh, my Twitter handle is at Sam underscore D Holman. It's D as in dog. All right, and everybody, make sure that you are listening to the Wisconsin Sports Heroics podcast that's right here on the Packard at Podcast Network. Sam, before I let you go, I do just want to, because I'm asking everybody this question these days, is there any hope that the Chicago Bears won't have the number one overall pick uh, in 2023? Is there anybody who can challenge them? for having the worst record in the NFL. I mean, come on, anybody at all. Ah, uh, that's a that's a tough question. They are not a good team. Um <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be a good at all. I don't think their defense is good. I don't think that their offensive line is going to be good and they really don't have a lot around Justin Fields. I mean, maybe he can steal a few wins and push them out out of that number 1 spot. Um there, I, I keep thinking there must be some team that's worse than them, but not, no team really comes to mind. <laughs> I feel like you got the Falcons and the Seahawks are, are yeah. hoping that they can get that spot, but it just, man, I mean, you you look at and now Robert Quinn is is holding out, and you know, po- quite possibly the only good player that they have on defense, yeah, uh, Robert Quinn. So absolutely bleak. But what's not bleak 
is the Wisconsin Sports Heroics Podcast. Uh, super uh, grateful to you, Sam, for joining us today, sharing your knowledge and your time. Thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to having you back on here again in the future if I can talk you into it. Yeah, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.